This is episode 61 of the Movie Maniacs podcast. I'm your host, Noah, and joining me, as always, is Patrick O'Segan. We're back. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, we're here to to continue our Fitch retrospective. We're still here, and now we're talking about um, the curious case of Mr. Benjamin Button. Benjamin Buttons! And, um, you know, I really was hoping we could skip this one. I know... That, that's very much cheating, but I had no desire to talk about this movie. We were so close to Social Network and Gone Girl and Make and Girl with the mm. Drag Tattoo. <laughs> and I wanted to just, I wanted to see those movies. I had to compromise, Patrick. I had to, I really had to sit down and think, do I watch this Friday night or do I watch it Saturday morning? Like, I didn't want to compromise my Friday evening in case I didn't like it. So I went ahead and watched something else Friday night. <laughs> watch this early in the morning um but yeah we're here to talk about this movie and i'm very interested to see what you will think i have seen this movie before i'll get into that as we go along but before we get into that patrick what have you seen recently um i've seen two movies this week off of the cult cinema classics channel so shout out that youtube channel really great um, I watched The Brain Eaters, which was this really funny uh, sci-fi movie. Um, very, uh, uh, what's the movie with uh, the remake is with Donald Sutherland? And then the old one's from like 1949. It's, uh, uh, oh, it's a classic sci-fi movie. Um, well, I should have made notes. Uh, I'm <laughs> But um, it was very similar to that movie. If the audience uh, <laughs> knows what I'm talking about, I'm looking. Keep talking. Um, and uh, Wayward Bus, which was like a drama from around the same time, and that was actually pretty good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just kind of like a lives crisscrossing interlinking paths etc kind of like this movie a little bit so it was it was pretty good um both just pretty short you know standard classic hollywood fare so very enjoyable though and what did you watch this week okay so i've got some big ones here don't worry i got some big ones on my list here um okay i'll go ahead and start off with a couple that i've mentioned in the past before i saw the tree of life this week and I was pretty, I, I've, I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I mentioned it last time when we did our five we wanted to see recently, but this has been one that I've been wanting to see. And I did not know quite what to expect going in. I have seen, I think this is Tarvatsky or whoever his name is. I've seen some of his work before, mainly the tree, the, the, um, that movie that came out like two years ago with the guy from *Inglorious Bastards* that I can't remember the name of, but uh, so we're blanking on um, names. This is Terrence Terrence Malick. Yeah, Terrence Malick. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't remember exactly what that one was called, but you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and brush over that and talk about *The Tree of Life*. <laughs> and you know, this was a very frustrating movie at times. I'm not a fan mm. of um pretentious films they have to have something a little bit more uh, besides their pretentiousness and I felt like the tree of life and you know I think Terrence Malick is often a very pretentious director and the tree of life 
was very pretentious. There must have been, I'm dead serious, like 10 minutes of just shots of like space and water all all together, like 10 minutes straight of nothing else. And like Jessica Chastain and Sean Penn narrating small like poetry lines. And I was just kind of (laughs) sitting back, really appreciate it. This movie looks beautiful. I will have to say the directing here is gorgeous. Those 10 minutes are very beautiful looking. But I, I kind of thought back to like 2001, which I think many people could say is pretentious and in many ways, I guess kind of is. But that movie had more meat to me and its visuals than this did. Even though it looks more clean, it looks more fresh. 2001 had more, I think, more metaphors hidden underneath it. And for me, I couldn't get anything out of, you know, these shots of space and all that. I was just like, well, you know, it's called the tree of life, I guess, in a way, this is kind of connecting to that. I don't know. But once we got <laughs> past all of that into the kind of the second act with Brad Pitt, Jessica Chastain, young Sean Penn, I enjoyed this movie much more. It had it once it focused on the actual story and family themes. I really enjoyed this movie. I, I wept a couple times. I thought it was very touching there in the middle. And then in the third act, uh, we kind of go back to that stuff that I wasn't so excited about, but it was better in the, in the third act. Yeah, I would say it was in the first act. It had more meat to it. I was able to get metaphors for it. I could see a mystical story in there. And I, in the end, I actually found the ending to be quite touching. So I would say this was probably not one that I think deserved being at the in all my five movies I would have seen soon list. You know, I, I just think it earned that right. But I actually, I, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. And I think it's got a lot of great things in, hidden in it. There were just a few things I thought were a little pretentious, but you know, that's the name of the game, Patrick. <laughs> that's the name Did of the game. Did it remind you of Jurassic Park at all? Uh, yeah, you know, I would have ever watched Jurassic Park. <laughs> you know, um, give me that movie, but still, I enjoyed this. I'd give it a a weak recommend, even though I liked it more than what normally a weak recommend would be. I don't think that a lot of people are going to enjoy this. Like, if I got like my brother Jude to sit down and watch this movie with me, he'd probably like rip his hair out, and then rip mine out. You know, just like I don't think mm. he would enjoy this mass audiences aren't going to it's kind of that niche your know, few critic like Robert, roger ebert he loves this movie so <laughs> there you go if you if you if your taste lines up with roger ebert you're gonna like this movie so there you go <laughs> the tree of life ladies and gentlemen. some people get their taste from roger ebert, so. <laughs> I, I, i'd actually go right along with that um another one that i saw i saw patriot's day one that i've mentioned many times before at the end of our episodes. And for me, this one was much better than Street of Life. I loved this movie, Patrick. It doesn't have a very high score on Letterboxd. You know, it's kind of a 3.5. It's a good film. I felt like it was much better than a normal 3.5 on Letterboxd. I was really riveted by this movie. You know, I don't ever, I don't get, it's kind of, we put it out there. We don't really get political on this show. But you know what? This is a very patriotic <laughs> movie. I got a little riled up watching it. You know, all that police violence that's been happening all over the news last year, all of that. This movie was very much felt very raw. And even though this was before 
you know, all that, those 2020 events, it still had, a, I feel like, a lot to say. It felt very relevant. And I was riveted. You know, we're seeing here, you know, Mark Wahlberg, Kevin Bacon, and uh, John Goodman, they're doing a different type of acting where they are just trying to become these actual people in this movie. You know, this is a historical movie on the, uh, the Boston bombing and on, on Patriot's Day, of course, you know, thus the title. And, you know, I was with this movie from start to finish. The opening, like, I guess, first act, I thought was riveting. I definitely bawled my eyes out more than I ever have since Warrior, which was probably the movie that made me cry the most out of any movie out there, just so our listeners know. And um, I really did, I just really enjoyed this movie. I, I didn't think the score by Trip Reznor was as brilliant as something like Gone Girl or The Social Network, but it was very good. You know, Trent Reznor on an off day is better than most composers on their best day. So I still enjoyed the score mm. for this. I loved the way the movie was shot. This is Peter Berg here who has done many other movies with Mark Wahlberg. I haven't seen any Peter Berg movies. I've heard a lot of them are bad. Last year, um, he had, I think it was a, uh, the Spencer Confidential, a Netflix movie that I heard was really bad. So I, I can't speak to any of his other work. I could say I loved his direction here, though. Kevin Bacon and John Goodman, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg was great. Definitely my favorite performance from him so far. John Goodman, I love John Goodman in anything. Just his voice, you know. I, I, I always enjoy watching him on screen. He was great here. This was the most... This is the oldest I've seen John Goodman, and that definitely took me aback a little bit. Like, I normally, you know, I've seen a lot of his Coen Brother films. You know, he pops up in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You know, I, his best role will have to be Sully from Monster Inc. You know, that's what I always go to for John Goodman. But so this was the oldest I've seen him, and that was very surprising. And in a, in a weird way, really uh, helped me endear more to his performance, just how more how much older he did look really added something to the character for me. And then Kevin Bacon as well. You know, I think when we say Kevin Bacon, we think, oh yeah, footloose, you know, and he's so much more than that. I think people forget that about Kevin Bacon. He's a very talented, dramatic actor. And this was my favorite performance from him as well. I thought it was great. He's not in it a lot. And that was unfortunate. I wanted him to do more because I enjoyed the performance so much, but I loved what he did here. He has a realistic amount of screen time though. And I, even though I wanted more of him, I felt like we, in a way, he, the screen time was what we deserve, but not maybe the one we needed, but not the one we deserved. We needed, uh, we, this may be the appropriate amount of screen time for Kevin Bacon, but I, I still wanted more. And I forgot J.K. Simmons is in this for like 15 minutes. I just felt so sad because J.K. Simmons is a brilliant actor and he pops up for like 10 minutes in movies and just leaves. And that's always unfortunate because I always want more J.K. Simmons in my movies. And, you know, the movie we'll be talking about next has a little bit of J.K. Simmons in it. And, you know, a little tease there. I, listeners got to guess what it is mid-episode. But, um, yeah, I, I really wish he was in this more. There's other really good side performances. This movie just, it's patriotic. It really shows law enforcement in a beautifully well done way that I think they deserve. And I loved it. This I just really 
was just riveted by this movie and just didn't say anything afterwards, just thought about it for, you know, like 20 minutes straight, just hardcore thought about what I'd seen. And I always love it when movies do that to me. Um, this movie's not perfect though. You know, there's a few things you could nitpick there, but because I appreciated the themes and just the emotional punch that it had, I absolutely loved this movie. So very strong recommend to Patriots Day. Absolutely loved it. Um, the next movie I saw, uh, maybe our listeners would have heard of it, a little indie film came out, uh, directed by, in uh, 1979 by a little indie director who directed a trilogy of small, small known films. I'm talking about Apocalypse Now, directed by Francis Ford Coppola. I saw this movie just last week, Patrick, and, well, no, actually, I forgot we were on Saturday. I thought it was Sunday, but in the middle of last week, in the middle of this week, never mind, in the middle of this week, and you know what? Wednesday? Wednesday, exactly. Patrick's on to it, guys. He knows today's week. I forgot, but you know what? I saw Apocalypse Now Wednesday, and was blown away. I really was, you know, I mentioned this last time and this is the only time I have mentioned it at the end of an episode, I think. And I was very excited to see this movie. It's a legendary movie, very high score. I think anywhere you go. And I, it, it totally met up to the expectations that I have for it. I saw this movie and loved it in like the first, you know, 15 minutes. I was already on board. Well, really actually the first shot uh, with the you know the legendary I think opening scene with uh, the Doors music mm-hmm. and the explosions and then the and then you know Martin Sheen you know weird performance all of that you know and now I, I, I <laughs> right oh, I I, yeah. I I was loving it all <laughs> and that I I just didn't expect for me to love it as much as I did you know I think people hold the first two Godfathers probably above this. This might be my favorite Coppola mm-hmm. film. I'll be honest. Something about it really <laughs> struck me more than those movies did, which is saying a lot because Godfather Part Two is one of my favorite movies ever, and Godfather is like just underneath you know my top thirty. You know, it's lurking there. Maybe even will pop up there someday if I give it a third rewatch. But you know, this really struck me. It reminded me a lot of like a Stanley Kubrick movie. You know, I was surprised that mm. this isn't what like Full Metal Jacket was. You know, the use of like uh, the ride of the Valkyries music set to like explosions and war and all that felt like something Kubrick would do, you know, going back to his relationship with classical music and all of that. And man, I, I was really just blown away by this. The, all, the three performances here, Martin Sheen, Robert Duvall, Marlon Brando, all three here are absolutely incredible. The third act of the movie is absolutely dreamlike. And then, you know, we have Marlon Brando who shows up in the, alleg- the, in the legendary 20 minutes of the movie. I mean, having this big actor come in and be in there for such a short amount of screen time at the end, you know, it was a legendary move and still like holds up so well today. And I was really riveted by the performance that he gave here. His performance as Kurtz is, I think, iconic. I don't know which performance I like more, whether I like Vito or Kurtz more. I, I've still been thinking about it, and I'm not quite sure yet. The, the, the ending 20 minutes, though, is very de- definitely the most dreamlike part of the whole movie, where it, just the score, the soundtrack, all of it, just the way it's shot, 
the lighting, it, it feels more dreamlike. And it was really just a, a, a wonderful experience to have. And then after this, I knew it was like probably one of my favorite movies. And so I just went ahead and I bought like, you know, the Apocalypse Now set. I now own like all three cuts of this movie on Blu-ray and then the final cut on like 4K. I don't even have a 4K TV or 4K player, but it's, it's just in there. And then I have the documentary that came with the set, Heart of Darkness, uh, a filmmaker's apocalypse. I watched the documentary like on Thursday and really enjoyed that as well. I, I, I think it, this, is, this movie has one of the most legendary behind the scenes shootings ever. And I really just enjoyed watching that documentary. Great, some great scenes, moments captured on film. You know, there's a whole breakdown with Martin Sheen that, that happens in this documentary that was very emotionally impactful to say the least. And I thought that was, was definitely one of the best documentaries that I've seen. So I would recommend that as well. And so I also watched the final cut and it wasn't as good. There's a whole French kind of sequence there, a whole a couple scenes at, at French that really grinds moved to a halt for me. I didn't enjoy that as much, but it, it's restored, I think, in a really great way. You know, the sound looks really, really great. So if you take the French stuff out, I think it's a, a very effective new cut, but I'll always go to the original cut more because people complained about Apocalypse Now's original runtime. And this is like the, the final cut's like 30 minutes longer. So I always enjoyed the, I always enjoyed this uh, shorter cut to definitely, but either way, the final cut, I still think is very good. Just, you know, I haven't seen the Redux cut yet. I don't know when I will get to that. Definitely not like soon, but I really love the apocalypse now. Patrick, you've seen this movie. Could you say a little, a few of your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, bonafide classic for sure. It's not one of my favorites, but, um, at one time it was, and it's still great. I know it would hold up if I watched it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's all I've seen. I'll also mention I've been watching Breaking Bad. I'm on season two, and I'm really loving it. So I'll give a little recommendation to that as well for people who haven't seen this show. I'm a little behind because now we're, all, <laughs> now we're on Better Call Saul, and Bob Kirk is going to show up next episode. And I'm very excited because I really want to see Bob Odenkirk in something. So... That'll be pretty cool. Besides nobody, I still want to see nobody. But anyway, Patrick, <laughs> let's go ahead and talk about the curious Benjamin Button, curious case of Buttons Benjamin. And mm -hmm. not Buttons, Buttons. I'll go ahead and start us off here. This was my first David Fincher movie, and I didn't know it was David Fincher. Uh, so this movie is about a guy who is born old and dies young. Pretty much that and his life with that weird kind of handicap. And I, what was so weird to me is that I had, when I was like nine years old, had thought like, is there someone out there who was born old and died young? And I was like, you know, they should make a movie about that. And I brought it to my dad, he's like, oh yeah, they did. It's called The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and it's on Netflix. And you could say, well, he didn't say all that. But he did say there's a movie about it, and I found it on Netflix, and I watched it, and I was like, you know what? 
maybe that idea wasn't so good. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But <laughs> it was actually, I liked it and just kind of moved on. I was like, you know, that was an interesting, like three sticking hours, but I could have probably spent doing something else. You know, this was before, you know, I saw Knives Out and really became the film fan that I am now. So I was just kind of like, uh, what? This should be big. <laughs> you know, I was like, I was hoping they'd do some sort of Tom Hanks thing here with big, but they didn't. It was much different, not quite what I was expecting. So this was me coming back, revisiting it for a second time. And I'm very interested in seeing what you thought of it. For me, revisiting this, man, it's a real, it's a, it's really mixed. It, it really is. The main performance here by Brad Pitt is great. I'm a Brad Pitt fan. I, I thought Brad Pitt did a very good job here. The, the directed by David Fincher now is good for sure. Not Fincher's best though. And I really didn't, I didn't feel his style here as much as I have with other Fincher films. I, I saw some of the lighting and coloring that did fit in with some, some things we've seen from Fincher before. But it, did, it didn't grab me as much as even something like Panagram did. Even that, I felt like had very distinct directing and a sense of, and a style that really gripped me. And Benjamin Button has style. It just was not as gripping to me as even Panagram or, you know, last week, Zodiac. And so that was a little, a little disappointing to me, even though I do feel like Fitchie does a very good job here. You know, this is based on a short story, of course, you know, Fitcher hasn't directly written a script or anything. But I, I'd really be interested in seeing what that short story does because I have to imagine that, I, I don't know exactly if Fincher takes, took certain liberties with the short story. I'd be very interested in seeing how that, how that plays out. But, you know, I think the, the acting here is good, particularly Brad Pitt. You know, I think, he, like I said, I think he did a very good job here. I, I like all the performances here. I, I, the captain, the boat captain, who I think is played by that guy from Chernobyl, he really, uh, his little story did not grab me like I think it was expected to. For me, this reminds me a heck of a lot of one of Patrick's favorite films, Forrest Gump. And, you know, I like Forrest Gump more than this. And I don't know, I, I don't know why exactly. I, I think it just, Forrest Gump had a, a, a true soul and lightheartedness to it that I didn't feel like Benjamin Button had. There's some kind of, there's some funny moments in this movie, like a little bit of comedy that I enjoyed, like a few like snark, snarky lines that, you know, that Fincher does so well. But I, I think a lot of the time, many people are going to find this to be a dull movie. And people have, you know, this is not at the top of a Fincher list, you know, it's kind of, you know, bottom area, you know, kind of right around panic room or even the game, you know, but I did enjoy the game more than this. So when we get to the end of this little non-spoiler segment, I am not sure whether I'm going to give this a recommend or not. I, I am very torn right now on how I feel about this movie. Even though I did feel like there are some things that popped out to me more, and I'll mention those in a non-spoiler section, but, you know, Kate Blanchett's here, and I'm not a Kate Blanchett fan. Like, I think her best performance is in, like, Thor Ragnarok. So there you go. Like, if, if I think Kate Blanchett's best performance is Thor Ragnarok is, like, as Hela, that says a little bit something about how I feel about other Kate Blanchett performances. Like, for me, 
this goes in right in perfectly with her performance in the aviator but you know i saw the aviator mm. i've been on the record i didn't like the aviator i told my dad i didn't like the aviator I was like, he was like well you must have liked kate blanche i mean her performance you know it was legendary at the time you know and i was like well you know i didn't really care for her you know she's just kind of she went over my head i i just didn't think anything of the performance which my dad was like saying oh the screen of She's playing a really important actress at that time. I think she even like got an Oscar nomination, maybe even won for that performance. I'm not sure, but yeah, that her performance in that didn't grab me. Her performance here, I thought was better actually than I remember it being. I still have a few problems with it though, because I another female kind of love interest for old Ben here comes in and I can't wait to talk about her. But I thought that she was much more gripping than Kate Blanchett was, and I'm really interested in seeing what how what you thought of that, Patrick, because I feel like we we do have this love interest that comes in here, and is more interesting, and has better chemistry with Brad Pitt than Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt do. So I'll talk a little about that mm-hmm. in, the, in the spoiler section. But yeah, we'll get it we'll get into it a little bit more in the nitty gritties. But Patrick, go ahead, and I gotta think about whether I'm gonna recommend this movie or not because I'm still torn. I st- I still don't know. Yeah, I definitely agree that lots of people probably would find this movie dull. Um, however, I personally, I thought it was a little more interesting than Panic Room. Um, I was just enjoying the performances and the stories. It felt, or the story itself, it felt kind of like a older Hollywood movie, maybe just because of the yeah. setting and a lot of it. Um, and... I don't know. There was definitely, like, I wasn't really a big fan. I, well, I guess that we'll get into spoilers. It's hard to really say what I didn't like about it without getting into spoilers. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty torn as well. I don't really, I, I just don't feel strongly either way. That's the thing. Yeah. You're very much same. I feel like we're right back to Panic Room here. You know, we had fun with Zodiac. And now we're back to like, you know, our panic room conversation here was where we're just so, we're kind of torn, you know, there wasn't anything like really bad, but there wasn't anything really good. And, you know, I'll give some of my positives. I love the way the movie does feel like it, it, like you said, old Hollywood fits in really perfectly here. You know, this isn't my favorite venture directing, but this had a few like directly flourishes here, you know, the guy who like gets struck by lightning seven times, every time he says that, like he flashbacks to his old film footage of him getting struck by lightning. And I like those little, those little flourishes, but you know. There, reminded me of Buster Keaton. Yeah, it did. It did remind me of like something from Buster Keaton or, or a silent film, you know, old Hollywood. And I enjoyed those moments. There were times that the, you know, the little, little gimmick of the movies this guy's growing younger starts out real old i think that it definitely in the first half of the movie those uh that that gimmick is used in a, in a way that i enjoyed i liked the scenes we got with old old benjamin bunn the scenes at the the, re, the retirement home or the nursing home or whatever those were definitely my favorite scenes of the movie and once we left i was not as interested in what was happening but I liked all the little old people characters that came in. I liked the I liked the mother and all of that. I liked all of those scenes. And you know, every, anytime we go to like an African American church and you know they get all passionate and all that, I always enjoy it. It always brings a smile to my face. And we have one of those scenes here, and it's great. I love that scene. And 
you know, we, we talk about, we go ahead and talk about the CGI here. I mean, one of the big things in this movie is that Brad Pitt is really old and kind of in the middle, he gets to normal Brad Pitt and then he's like a completely different actor, you know, when he's a child. And so I thought that the CGI here, I thought it was well done, actually. You know, you could see the seams, you could see the strings a little bit figuratively. But I will say there were some moments that I was actually, you know, this looks pretty darn good. You know, the MCU is doing this with, you know, Michael Douglas and Samuel Jackson. And that stuff is really good and probably better than this. Even the Irishman, you know, which I don't think is a standout film because of its CGI. I think that's better. But I think it does it very well here. I mean, you buy it and old people, are, that's a hard thing to do. All the wrinkles not. That's a lot to process and, and generate. And I think they, they pulled off. It's not a problem for me here. I was impressed mom at moments, you know, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually working very well. We get to Kate Blanchett being old. Uh, you know, you're kind of in the uncanny valley there. But when we, all the stuff with Brad Pitt, where the, <laughs> where the money is focused on, I do think that works. I have to say, is old, 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 uh, what is it? Rosie or, or Daisy? Yeah, Daisy. Old Daisy. Old Daisy, like real old Daisy. Is that that's a different actress, right? Like that is someone else, I'm going to assume. Or is that is that Kate Blanchett? The reason I'm asking this is because it looks very uncanny ballet. I'm gonna go back to that little term again. It it looked mm -hmm. the way it was shot felt very fake. She looked like I'm dead serious. The way she was shot. And if this is a real person, I'm, at, I'm absolutely sorry, but it looks like just a pile of sludge just sitting there, you know, talking. Just like, it, it looked like an absolute mess. <laughs> and, it's, it's just, and I don't mean to be offensive or rude or anything. I didn't think it was shot very well, though. Like the way that, that she looked, she looked all like, like almost alien. Like, you know, I saw 300 and it kind of looked like one of those, you know, like really, you know, kind of, fakish CGI moves. I'm going to look it up while you're talking, Patrick, but yeah, it's something about the way those scenes were shot and the way she looked kind of took me out of it a little bit. And I don't know if I like- I Yeah, like, you're talking about in the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking it was probably a different actress. Um, if it is just CGI, that's honestly a little impressive because I thought they actually got like an older woman to do it. Um, when they were de-aging Kate Blanchett, I was kind of not buying it. It was kind of that uncanny valley feeling, mm -hmm. but it was so brief that I didn't really mind it. And I think same with when she was older, like, like before the hospital scenes when she's caring for, uh, well, no spoilers, but, um, you know, I, I definitely was impressed at the quality that they managed to achieve at that time but it actually made me think you know if we were doing this back then why aren't we a little better now because like the the stuff in like star wars and to a lesser extent marvel kind of throws me sometimes still which like i don't know yeah michael douglas in game didn't look very good but him in like the beginning of ant-man i thought looked very well and you know the star wars yeah that's true 
Luke Skywalker and Rise of Skywalker. They de-aged him. And I know you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, but there's like a five-second shot of de-aged Leia and de-aged Luke. And Luke looks good. Leia looks kind of fake. But it's not bad. Yeah. I, I will say that... In, uh, the, in the other one, Carrie Fisher looks terrible. In Rogue One, I think it is. Carrie oh, Fisher oh, looks oh, like just like a video game character. Don't talk about that, Patrick. I love Rogue One, but that that stinking de-aging of Carrie Fisher, yeah, that looked rough. That looked rough. We don't talk about that here. Talking about, <laughs> yeah. No, Sorry, no, no. I, I didn't see the rules on the wall. You're looking, <laughs> you're bringing back bad memories, Patrick. But uh, yeah, I will say it's, they do look good. Darth Vader about, looked good. <laughs> yeah, Darth Vader looked, oh my gosh. Now there's something good about Rogue One. Anyway. Um, I, I think I, what I'm seeing here, I've, I've got the cast pulled up on Letterboxd. I didn't see old Daisy here, so I think that might be Kate Blanchett. And to that, I will say, I, I thank the Lord I'm not being offensive. I just have to take a moment to, to just thank you. But anyway. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I think you're still in the gray. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I will say it's not just awful, but it is kind of like, I could, it's the probably one of the lesser moments of the CGI in the film. But I, like I will say, it's probably better than what they did in Rogue One. I, I'll say, it. I don't mind Tarkin as much, but yeah, Leia looked rough. So if we're kind of comparing it with that, then I will say, yeah, it does mm. feel like we should progress a little better. Because I think, what do you think of the way Brad Pitt looks? Because I thought he looked really good. Yeah. I mean, as far as that hospital scene goes, I would say that I didn't feel like it was digital. Like when when they were de-aging Kate Blanchett, I could feel like the computer working, you know? Yeah. But when she's in the hospital bed, it seems like it's mostly like prosthetics or makeup, yeah. which is harder to, or I don't know, it seems more artistic to me to like try to do that with makeup, even if it, you know, doesn't really work out super yeah. great. Um, but I don't know. I'm ready to get into the spoiler section because right, so let's do that. So, I keep having to stop myself from making statements. <laughs> We've got to say that, Patrick, do you recommend The Curious Case of Benjamin Button? Or where are you at? Thumbs up, um, thumbs down. But I will keep talking. I don't know. I don't believe that it would appeal to general audiences, but I think there are plenty of people who would really like it and I think it honestly falls more in the romantic drama category than anything else so if you like romance in a historical setting you'll find something to like here and the performances are pretty good so I would I'd give it a recommend for that reason Mm -hmm. I mean I liked it more than Panic Room Mm, yeah all right for me where I'm, where I'm at right now, I am going to just go slightly to the weak, <laughs> weak recommend. Um, I think that this is many ways less entertaining than Panic Room. With Panic Room, it's cliched. It's a little uh, not as creative as Lonely Fincher is, but it still works for me as a like a fun moment, like you know, like ninety or hour and forty minute piece of tension. This movie is near three hours, and I felt it. I I really did. I I was about ready to cut a few things out. You know, I wanted to get into the edit room 
and cut a few things out just because I did feel the length at times. And I think that that does really hold it back for me quite a bit, but I'm going to say Brad Pitt's great. There's some, there's the, you know, the little, the niche this movie has where all right, the little get, you know, where the, the aging and de-aging, all of that. I think it's interesting to watch, even if it doesn't always succeed, it's kind of, when it doesn't, it's an interesting failure, which is always, I think, neat to see. And there's some cool little store moments that they have here. And I will say some touching moments that I think work for me. It is a little long, it is a little slow. It is a little, little generic at times. Like this movie, I don't think it got picked up for a ton of Oscars, but like I could see it. You know, in, a, in another world, you know, it kind of has that if the Oscars were just a little weirder, this movie would probably get a few, you know, it, it has that kind of pretentiousness a little bit, but I think it works. I, I do think it works enough to where I will give this a weak recommend. Is it better than Panic Room? I'm not sure. We'll save that for, you know, our eventual venture ranking. But for now, I'll go with the weak recommend. I think people will, there's enough here, you know, like, I saw a lot of reviews for this, you know, from like, you know, comic film goers, like, you know, Wayne movie, but, you know, Brad Pitt's hot. So if you, if you like Brad Pitt, then I guess you could go ahead and just see this movie. That's not what interested me, I will say. But for, you know, if you're just wanting to see Brad Pitt, I guess go ahead. Because I, I like his performance here quite a bit. So there you go. Um, let's get to the spoilers, though. So... Spoilers for those of you who haven't seen Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I want to talk about Tilda Swinton because I kind of teased her a little bit here. I'm so excited to talk about this actress. I love Tilda Swinton and anything I've seen her in, like, you know, from Doctor Strange to like Snowpiercer. I love Tilda Swinton. And what I was saying here was she kind of pops up for about like, you know, 15 minutes as kind of this love interest for Open here. And I think that those two have a ton more chemistry than Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett do. And you can agree or disagree with me, Patrick, but I think Tilsman, I'll say just that uh, I think I like her more as an actress. I think she does a really great job in the 15 minutes. She's got some great, I think some of the themes in the movie work best with her. You know, she tried swimming across the English Channel, failed, hasn't gone back since, and then towards the like you know the final moments of the second act we see that she finally swam the english canal or channel or whatever and that brought a smile to my face like i was happy that this character finally accomplished what they had set out to do and that really did bring a smile on my face it was one of the more touching and effective moments of the movie i think she gets some of the best moments and i think the romance moments work best with her as kind of how this is we're seeing ben Benjamin progress more as a, I guess, kind of an adult in a weird way, becoming more adult. And I also think, you know, it just, they, they click better, I think. I really feel like the chemistry is on fire more with, with Tilda Swinton and Brad Pitt than it is with Kate Blanchett. I, and I also say young Kate Blanchett as like a kid, which is like six and seven, you know, to me, like with her and old, old Brad Pitt, that even worked better than the stuff with Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt did. And, and that stuff's not bad, but it's, it makes it seem worse because I feel like there are more effective kind of pairings here than, you know, straight up Brad Pitt and Kate, and Kate Blanchett. Um, so that's kind of what I thought about the whole romance here. And I do think it works. I, I just think that there are other interesting, like I said, pair-ups with Benjamin Button. 
than the kind of the big one we've got here. I think Tilda Swinton and Brad Pitt burn pretty bright and pretty quick. And it's definitely something I wasn't really expecting in the story because I pretty much knew that he was going to be, you know, sticking with Daisy for a while. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think that Kate Blanchett's performance was bad. I thought that she was really good. And I thought that Tilda Swinton was playing a more um, troubled person than Kate Blanchett was. And sometimes that's more interesting to watch. But I think Kate Blanchett's struggles were just as real when her moments came around, like, you know, the whole, we can get to the whole car accident scene, which I'm kind of like, I, I was kind of wincing a little bit just at the way that that was directed mostly. Um, but I thought the acting was very fine. And um, I think that Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett do have plenty of chemistry in this movie. Um, but maybe I just like Kate Blanchett a little more. And, and let me say, Kate Blanchett's not bad in this movie. I don't think she's bad in the aviator. I think I like her more here than I do in the aviator. I think she is good. Well, I, I like the aviator in general more than you did. So. <laughs> yes, that is true. But for here, I think I think she's good. And you know, the scene where they kind of a little montage where they like rented an apartment or a house or whatever, and they got the mattress and all that, and it's just them like having a great time. Like that worked for me. Like I bought into their their happiness and their love for each other. Like that for me worked. The car accident. You know, it's possibly the weakest moment for Fincher in this retrospective. At, for directing, even Alien 3, I would say, has some really great moments <laughs> in directing. This did not work for me. It felt very similar to Zodiac, but much worse. It did not connect with me as well as those movies had. And that was very, uh, that was unfortunate. It's kind of that, you know, it's quick, it's moving really fast it's quick cuts you know and it's kind of trying to be clever and just does it i was kind of like oh you know no <laughs> i just i didn't go with those like and it doesn't sound cute it either and when she's kind of when benjamin goes over to the hospital and he's like trying to comfort her and you know it feels so generic you know, Kate Blanchett just kind of pushes him away, like, no. And then old Kate Blanchett's like, you don't understand. I was just tr trying to blah, 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 you know, talking to her daughter. Yeah, you don't understand is enough. She's just like, you don't, you don't, you don't get it. <laughs> I was like, whatever, those are just words. That was real rude. And then she just kind of like comes back a few minutes later and just kind of, she follows in Benjamin's arms. You know, like that felt a little, that didn't feel very clever to me. It felt a little generic. And I guess you kind of got to have them. Maybe that's me just not connecting with the romance genre. It just felt like, okay, we've seen this before. And yeah, we've kind of got a little different thing here going where our lead character is getting younger. I get that. But it, it, it was not, I, I felt like it was kind of generic. And like I said, the whole montage of the car accident scene was really just weird and did not work for me yeah I, in that middle area with the car accident did feel plenty generic even though there are 
are many other moments where I think this movie does a very good job of breaking outside the romantic kind of cliches. That was one of the biggest mm -hmm. moments where it failed for me. Well, my problem with the car accident too is mostly just how, like you want to talk about being generic. I don't, like it was generic, but it was also too on the nose. Like the narr that was when the narrations started to kind of grate on my ears because Brad Pitt is like, saying exactly like the message of the movie and it's also weird because he's he's speaking from his perspective most of the time what so is he just like imagining that all this stuff happened or like because he doesn't actually know all this stuff so I guess it's just his like imagination of a better way it could have gone but he goes into like weird detail if it's just his imagination like why is he talking about so many different things if it's not like a specific thing that actually happened, I don't know. It, it was just really off-putting. It kind of, honestly, I was flashing back to it towards the end when the narration was like, you can be a piano player or you can be a swimmer or you can be a dancer or you can be a mother, but only one of you is gonna be Daisy. And I love Daisy. It did kind of remind me of Forrest Gump a little bit, but not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like for me, like let's let's talk about the narration because I think for the most part it it does fine because I I think Brad Pitt's mm. self narration well. The opening scene though, I got really nervous because old Daisy is talking about this clockmaker who sent his son out to war, and she. <laughs> 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 yeah some of the voices were weird i got so scared patrick i was like i forgot about brad pitt narrating this movie I was like oh crap is old daisy gonna narrate this entire movie and i was like oh. kevin mccallisto just like no you know <laughs> i did not want that to happen and thankfully brad pitt comes saves the day and I actually did like the stuff with the clock guy. It's a little, you know, on the nose, like you said. It does that a couple times. Where <laughs> it's a little like, oh, you know, uh, nope. Uh, but I thought there was some really cool imagery there. You kind of a little bit of tidbit, you know, rewinding and all that, mm. or memento, however, whatever you want to pull it from. But I thought that looked well. I thought yeah, it reminded me of Magnolia a bit. Too. Oh yeah. Well, I haven't seen that, but I did think that that was one of the brighter moments for Fincher's directing here. And even like, you know, going to that, like Fincher does this thing, and I don't know if you've noticed it so far, Patrick, but he's, he does this thing where he keeps the, the camera totally focused with the, the, the character's head and where it's like, you know, if they like even move up a little bit, the camera moves a little bit with mm. it and it totally keeps us in yeah. where we're focusing just on this face, even this object. It's something not a lot of directors do. I think it's brilliant. I didn't catch it at all with Curious Case of Benjamin Button. There is a moment in a couple episodes later, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. It's one of the brightest moments to me in fiction directing where Daniel Craig is singing with Christopher Plummer and he kind of adjusts his seat a little bit and the camera just goes up and goes down in a really small motion and it's brilliant it it totally it's so effective 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 that you know do this and the camera wasn't moving at all and so uh, for, i didn't catch you as moments like that where like you know fisher is keeping us in perspective 
with this person's face. It didn't have any of that tension, you know, like he, like he just, like, like he likes to create. And, you know, Fincher's making a romance movie. Like, not exactly what I go to when you say David Fincher's going to direct a new movie. I don't go to romantic drama, you know. Well, but Fight Club's a romance. Yeah, but, like, still, <laughs> you get my point. And he, even then, like, it does kind of sound weird <laughs> for Fincher to do that. The but game's a romance. <laughs> but what is so different with what Fincher does, you know, it's, it's like with Fight Club, like with the game, he Fincher's it up. With this movie, he doesn't Fincher it up. It mm. is a romance movie. It doesn't feel like Fincher has done something with this drama or this romance to make it, you know, like, oh, yeah, this is David Fincher taking a genre we wouldn't think of him to do and making it, oh my gosh, you know, this is David Fincher, like doing something totally unique here. It feels, you know, like kind of like anybody would have done this, you know, like it, it, didn't, it didn't feel like Fincher was touching this story in a unique way where, you know, like with Fico, like that's a great romance, you know, it's Fincher. And that, that, that didn't come with the Curious Kids with Benjamin Button. But anyway, what you think of the narration and, you know, with some of the other points I just brought up? Um, with the narration, I thought it was good. I think Brad Pitt did an okay job. I mean, a good job, excuse me. Um, but <laughs> <I'll dare you. laughs> I definitely <laughs> felt like, well, <laughs> uh, the New Orleans accent was interesting. A lot of the New Orleans accents were interesting. It's kind of fell into that realm of, like you were saying, almost Oscar Beatty feeling acting where someone's putting on one of those accents to be from the 50s or the 60s or whatever and from a you know a specific southern town um i thought uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) who's the actress that played uh his adoptive mom yeah okay so that is taraji p henson who played queenie yes her accent i thought was not my favorite. Uh, Mahershala Ali was all right, um, but I was ca- honestly kind of glad that he wasn't in it more because, like, that was not his best performance. Um, he's definitely matured a lot. He's matured a lot. He's been working a lot since then, um, and I think he's a really great actor now. But I mean, he's not terrible at all. I'm just saying, like, I, I saw Mahershala Ali and I was like, oh man, I'm about to be riveted. And then I was like, okay, no, he just tripped over a baby. Yeah, yeah. I do get that, and it's kind of like, oh, you know, Fincher might be kind of starting a career here, you know? I don't know, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, I do agree. I think he started Brad Pitt's career. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, but yeah, <laughs> there were some rough moments, I will say, with the accents. It is Forrest Gump, you know, you know, Mao. You know, just like, you know, there's some rough moments there. And I winced a couple times. I think it works for the most part. I think Brad Pitt did a good job. You know, it's a little, I think the biggest thing with Brad Pitt is you're kind of like, oh, you know, Brad Pitt sounds like a man from New Orleans. You know, that was the kind of, you know, it it takes you out of it because you know how Brad Pitt sounds. But after, Mm. I think, you know, about 20, 10 minutes, you know, you get used to it. You kind of adjust. I never really got used to Queenie's accent because it is the probably the thickest accent 
of the whole cast. Mm. I it popped up like, oh, da, 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 you know? So I just was that. Her really writing good. also seemed a little weird. Yeah, yeah. And it was very yeah. like, oh, Lordy. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, like, kind of, I was kind of like, ugh. <laughs> it's a little. The word stereotype comes to mind. <laughs> oh, I mean, she was a warm character. She was a warm character. I thought she had a good, the connection was good and you were on her side because she was actually being a good person to this baby. But I don't know. The characterization, it felt very much, it, it felt very bad. cinematic in like a, I know I'm watching a movie kind of way. You know, yeah. like it was just, it, it didn't, yeah, it was hard to suspend disbelief. It reminded me of, I'm going to go back to Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump's mom, you know, kind of that really confident, mm. like doesn't care what you think type of attitude. You can be what you want to be. Don't let this disability kind of keep you from doing what you want to do in life. And I also got a friend of Forrest Gump reference. You know, we had the captain, uh, Captain Mike here. <laughs> such, a, such a captain named Captain Mike. Um, but uh, yeah, he's played by Gerard Harris from, you know, I know from him, him from Chernobyl. He's great in that. Really gave him everything performance there. I don't know if he, he really worked for me a whole lot here. He was fine. But I'm going to go, this reminds me of Lieutenant Dan, you know, from, you know, Forrest Gump, you know, Vietnam War and all that. Because, you know, in the middle of Forrest Gump, Forrest goes to Vietnam. In the middle of this movie, Benjamin Button goes off, you know, to go in be a seaman or whatever you know and and i really want some you know forrest gump type of vibes here and it, it it's like mm. it's the first time i ever feel like finch i'm drawing direct lines in a finch movie from one movie to another movie and finch doesn't do that a whole lot you know mm. even with like you know sort of his other movies you do kind of get that you know, he said it outright you know alfred hitchcock's an inspiration to him you know he watched those movies and he likes them and that stuff it's much it's a much more such is a much more messed up director than alfred hitchcock is you know you know if alfred hitchcock like could probably do what he wanted to do you know if the mpaa wasn't in his way at the time but in any way like it really does feel like this is forrest gump but it's just a little different type of different type of get here you know and even then like you know with jenny and and Daisy, like they feel like similar characters, even though Ginny is probably a little more, you know, messed up than Daisy is. I still kind of was able to draw certain character actions together and kind of do a compare and contrast thing there. And that was a little, I just, I, it felt unlike something Fincher would do. And I, I, like I said, I feel like we're back with Panic Group here. Like Fincher doesn't, it doesn't feel like this would be something Fincher does. And he doesn't mess it up entirely, you know. I, he does have some weak moments in the directing. I do feel like, you know, with that car accident scene. But I do think he still, he does a pretty good job here. It's just not as great as something like last week with Zodiac. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, Captain Mike. I know it's kind of jumping around a little bit. But um, just because I wanted to mention the... Uh, the tugboat scene during World War II when they take on the submarine, um, that scene really stuck out to me. I was really torn on it because first of all, the sound design was amazing. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, like when those bullets were flying across, I was like, oh, or shells or whatever. I was like, oh. Um, and also the tension of being in a tugboat and 
like driving towards a Nazi submarine was uh, very palpable. But then I was disappointed because even though the visuals and the sound like were really great throughout the scene, they just kind of rammed the submarine with a tugboat. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't really know that much about like submarines or tugboats, but I don't feel like a German made like war machine would be sunk by being rammed into by a little tugboat that was used as like a merchant vessel that was just kind of like commandeered by the American Navy. Like, I really just don't think they would have sunk it. Um, But I don't know, maybe I'm totally wrong. History buffs, let us know if that really would have happened. If you can just kind of like run into a submarine with a tugboat and destroy it completely. Like it blew up. I was like, what, did they hit like dynamite that was stuck on the outside of it? I'm so confused. Also how, when it blew up, did their whole ship not go up in flames when it's like a mostly wooden boat and the ship that just blew up is like made out of iron or whatever. I don't know. That kind of, it, it just, it was like, Fincher, you're better than this. You know, it was kind of like, why, why would you keep something like that in it and do it like that? It just, uh, that was probably the low point other than the car accident. It, it felt unrealistic. It, it really did, you know, and, but you're such a realistic director, it, it seems, you know. I mean, even though he does kind of have outlandish type of moments, you know, with Fight Club and all that, but I go back to Seven and Zodiac, you know. Like, he's very grounded, <laughs> right. real movies. And Benjamin Button mm. is, in many ways, trying to be grounded, but it's totally just, none of this would ever happen. And I'm not even talking about- Well, he's, yeah. He's born old going on. I'm, I'm not even considering that. There's so many movie moments here that didn't work for me. And you're right, this was one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, this scene would be so much more effective and would help Benjamin as a character if they just got demolished and lost, just completely lost. <laughs> like, seriously, but seriously, yeah. like. I mean, they I, definitely get strafed pretty bad and kind of torn up, but their yeah, boat yeah. is fine, which is weird. I mean, you know, Captain Mike, you know, he dies, he bites the dust. And that, mm. that did kind of, I, don't, I didn't feel anything for that scene because I didn't really care for Captain Mike. But I did kind of, you know, I, I, I am torn because it does look so good, but it is unrealistic. And it really just feels like you could easily like have a different way of this going and make the movie just so much more better. It, I, it really just... It, it, it did kind of leave me sore a little bit. And yeah, I would put it right it along. It reminded with, me of Panic Room a bit. Yeah, yeah, it did kind of feel unnecessary. Just because it like it seemed- Movie-ish, Sorry. Hollywood. No, go ahead, yeah, go ahead. Definitely. I was just gonna say, it seems like it was there to move the plot in a direction that was convenient for the, for Venture, not really um, believable for the audience. So I guess, that has been stated pretty well, but uh, it just it just frustrated me. Because honestly, there's not a whole lot of other things like that. There are a couple, like definitely him like running into Tilda Swinton and then like her being the first woman to go across the English Channel. Like that was definitely like a Forrest Gump kind of like crossing all the paths of history. Like I've had oh, such well, a charmed I, life. I've come across everyone important, you know. What, I'm sorry, I what? That though because I liked Tilda Swinton so much that I just won't let that scene. It because, was, because I it, felt so bad because I liked that character and I was happy to see her, to see her kind of accomplish what she was going to 
what she set out to do. I get it though. Like it is very Forrest Gump that, oh, hey, kind of a coming back around, you know, but I went with yeah. it more. I think you did or, or see from what I've heard so far, just because I like Tilda Swin a lot. And it was really happy. I, was really happy I love Tilda Swin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the of- scene. It was just like, it was just like the submarine scene. Like I, well, the scene was going on. I loved it so much. I was like, this is great. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, but it's so unrealistic. Like it's mm-hmm. like, I don't know. It's like the two sides of my brain were at war because like from a purely like story aesthetic perspective, it was like, oh, this is crazy. Like this is really well done. But like the logical side of my brain was going, no this just doesn't work you know so it was uncomfortable but I did really like the scene and I like how Brad Pitt gives a good smile and nod and everything and like that you know he's happy for her genuinely even though he's moved on completely which is you know that's really nice I like that mature kind of character development honestly something that Fincher's characters don't do a lot Yeah, and I, I do agree. It is unrealistic, which this movie has a lot of moments where it just really just does not feel realistic at all. Even kind of like the preacher just drops down like a heart attack or something, you know? Like, I like mm. the scene, but the just like, yeah, just no, no, it's, it's, this doesn't need to be that type of movie. I, I really just felt like this is the type of movie that needed to have a very kind of unrealistic, like plot idea, you know, with the getting older and all that, but use that mm. in a way where it, you're able to tell a different story, but in the an, in a normal, realistic environment, and it it doesn't go that way, and that was really unfortunate because I see a really effective movie here, and I like I said, this is still a recommended. I'll get to some of the positives right after I make this point, but. It felt like we had an even stronger movie here. And this movie just kind of meets that bare minimum of pretty all right, you know. And one of the positives I, I will say is that I, I, I do think that in the scenes where we're having kind of the, uh, you know, Benjamin's kind of unrest about becoming a father and all that, it's generic, but I liked it, you know. I, 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 saw, I saw where it was going, you know, from the moment she said she was pregnant. I was like, okay, well, we know it all is going to go, blah, 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 it's going to leave. I saw it all coming. But I do think, you know, Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett, they're selling me on the scenes where they're having this turmoil. I think the, the, the way it's written out, I think is well done. Those scenes I enjoyed. I thought that that was something really interesting. I wish the movie spent more time with that. I wish we had more of this unrest about, Benjamin's age crime. Hey, we do get we do get it. I feel like it could have been used in a better way though. Like even when he's like a kid and he's just kind of angsty and moody and has like dementia or whatever, we brush over that pretty quickly. Like it kind of like we get it that like mm-hmm. what 10 minutes and it's gone. That was kind of like I feel like mm-hmm. we could have had more of that. I, I really do feel like we could have dive into that a little bit more because I thought that was a really interesting idea and just wasn't used to to the extent I agree I think this movie could have done with like an almost Steve Jobs treatment of like three sections of his life where we go more in depth and really sit with his character and like you know 
go deep in three moments so that we get the overall arc of his life without having to go through every single event. Cause some of them seem kind of superfluous. I liked captain Mike and the whole tugboat thing, but that probably could go like, it's not really necessary. I feel um, yeah. like if they just stuck with the only unrealistic element being that he was born old and he's getting younger and then everything else is believable. And from there, it's just a drama about how people deal with that. Plus, you know, with a romantic interest, that is a simple, straightforward um, movie that has, like you said, a lot of potential. I agree. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. And I wanted to talk about uh, Mr. Button because I do think that that mm. is something that I, I'm not sure how you're gonna lean on that. I was a little torn on it at times the first scene where he comes like you know visit benjamin they, he buys him a drink and all that that worked for me i thought that was an effective scene and then when he when it comes back later where benjamin's much younger and he's kind of you know middle-aged and he's like oh by the way i'm your father i thought you were a monster i'm sorry he just says it outright so directly mm -hmm. it, the dialogue isn't very good that was kind of sore to me, but we do get that, I think a beautiful scene where they go out onto like the back porch or whatever and watch the sunset. And I think it's a great moment for Fincher. He, the shot of the sunset looks really beautiful. The way Benjamin is kind of like, kind of right at the around the corner from Mr. Button as, as he's kind of watching the, the sunset and the way it's shot of him just kind of behind him at an angle, I thought was really well done. That was effective. I thought that was touching. I liked that imagery. But I do think at times it's a little, I think not explored enough. I'd have liked more scenes with them that kind of showed a little bit more of their relationship, how they dealt with that. And it, it really just kind of boils down to a line like, you know, it wasn't really my father, you know, you're my mother. and. Mr. Mamarjan Ali was my father, you know, like, I really don't care. And I feel like that's kind of a, that's a good point to have, but I feel like the payoff for that line would be better if we had more time with this. I'm not asking for a longer movie though. I want, I, I, let me make that clear. This movie is long enough. You can just take some scenes out and make a few things more meaningful. And I think this, this would all come around much better. Yeah, it seems like, each thread in the movie has some moments that work really well, and then yeah. some moments that are just hard to really chew on. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I was wondering, what did you, I'm gonna talk, you mentioned the, the whole kind of ending where you, know, you could be a, a sailor, a, a play lover, or blah, 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 a mother, or a daisy, you know, a dancer or whatever. and. Mm -hmm. I personally did not go with that at all. It was really cheesy, mm. like, like Forrest Gump at its worst cheesy. And so I did not really go with that <laughs> very much. Like I like Forrest Gump. I liked it. This, this, I think Richard Button is as good as Forrest Gump. I don't think that that's where you lean, Patrick. I do go, I do know, because I, I really like Forrest Gump. I understand its flaws. But I, I just have a better time with that movie and appreciate more of its moments. And it felt like it was 
just kind of really going for that emotional grab and it just didn't. It felt like a commercial, frankly, you know, like what <laughs> the commercials we're getting now, like they're wearing a mask, they're wearing a mask and that guy's wearing a mask. You know, this is like thumbs up the bandaid. I got my, my COVID vaccine shot, you know? It felt like we were like, oh, someone's got, somebody's working at Walmart, a doctor a veteran you know just like <laughs> it really felt like a commercial i'd see like if i turned on the tv mm-hmm. and yeah it, it just that did not really work with me it added a lot to just kind of the unrealistic feel this movie ad and once again i just want to express how surprised i am that this is the way that fincher took the movie because it i really feel like the real fincher or the picture that i have seen so far with zodiac and seven would make this about a guy with really weird circumstance and have him live his life in a realistic world. And that this just isn't the way Fincher went. And I'm really surprised by that. And I've, I've already touched upon that. I just want to stress that again, that I am really surprised by the way this whole thing went down. And that scene didn't work with me very much. Yeah, I think that scene is just completely unnecessary. And again, it's just a moment where the um message i suppose of the movie or one of the messages of the movie is stated so directly that it's just unnecessary like okay i i know i just watched the movie i saw all these people that had all these jobs and i know that they were well suited for what they were doing blah 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 like you don't have to tell me that you know so it it kind of felt like he was catering he was talking down to the audience instead of you know like a great director like Kubrick or Nolan would never do that. Like, I mean, not, okay. Maybe they would, <laughs> maybe they do every now and then. Um, and I do think Fincher is a great director. Yeah. But here he's in this movie, he seems like he's talking way down to the audience, which is not something he usually does. So I don't know why he did here. Like you said, it just doesn't make sense. Fincher normally really pushes you really to, you gotta go along. Mm. With- what's going on. You gotta, like I said, you gotta keep track of these dates and go right along with him. He's not gonna spell it out for you. And he really, right. yeah, you're right. he does that a lot here. That wasn't something I thought about, but you're right. He really does. That's a good it point. Down. It felt like a spelling bee. It felt like a commercial for a spelling bee. <laughs> I, don't know. I have never seen a commercial for a spelling bee, but yeah, I, I, I get your point. You, you just watched one this morning. <laughs> yeah and it, it is frustrating especially like i said because there's a better movie here it is very surprising yeah. that this is the way Fitcher took things but i you know i want to stress again really good performances like this is still a, rec- a recommend for me because this is this isn't bad it's just not as well done as we come to expect from Fitcher, which is very like very much my case in panic room this is just so not not up to Fincher tier, and that that was very unfortunate to say. This very unfortunate. Um, I don't really have much to add. I will I will have a point. What did you think of the grandmother and daughter scenes when we go back to the some of the narration and all that, and she's reading from his diary and all that, and there's kind of like going to be like I feel like going for an emotional punch, like when she realizes, oh Benjamin, is her father. That had nothing, no, 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 no grab for me. It, it, I didn't feel anything from that moment. And that was 
that was kind of unfortunate because I feel like that's something you could really delve into a lot, but I'm kind of glad they did it because I did not want to hear that grandmother talk a lot. I felt like that whole um, section of the movie falls clearly on the unnecessary side of mm -hmm. things. Like, yeah. if you think about it, they were doing the Amadeus treatment and yeah. it just didn't oh work. Gosh. Like they were proving gosh. how bad that could go. Oh my gosh. And that, and what you're referencing with Amadeus, that's like brilliant and really well done, mm -hmm. really effective. And this would be kind of the exact opposite, just kind of, you know, in the middle there. I, like I said, I don't have much to add to this, honestly. I, I'm gonna reinstate why I am giving this week recommend. The performances are very effective. The direction is not bad. I want to stress that it's just not as good. It feels much more generic. Fincher's in every movie we've seen with Fincher, his direction has always been better than the average director. And here it feels pretty, you know, like B level, you know, just not the A plus material that we've seen from Fincher so far. Panic Group is kind of a B plus. I would say even Alien 3, kind of an A minus. But here, mm. yeah, it, it's just not as interesting. There's some unique things he does, but it's it's not as great. It's good though, it's fine. But like I said, I love Brad Pitt. He's really good here. The CGI's I think is well done for the most part. There's some effective, I think, touching moments. Like I said, when we see Tilda Swinton, she's made the, the lap <laughs> to put it, mildly uh that was i thought i thought that was something effective i think benjamin's kind of decision to have to move away i thought that worked for me and mm. there were a few moments when he was kind of a child that i thought that worked i looked i i want to stress i looked all the stuff with him at the retirement home i loved all of that i thought that was fun i thought that mm. it was it was at its best it, made me smile it made me sad when the piano lady died i thought all of that was by far the most effective stuff in the movie i feel like the little girl had better chemistry with brad pitt than kate blanchett as i'm not saying that the, the brad pitt kate blanchett chemistry was bad i i just thought it was more effective i had more fun watching them and when daisy was like six than when she was you know in her 30s or in 20s so that the first act is definitely the strongest the second act is pretty good the third act is kind of rough it's a weak recommend i'll say i'm so glad that next time we come back to venture it's gonna be that social network that's all i'm gonna say because no spoilers but that was incredible <laughs> no spoilers <laughs> yeah patrick go ahead and state why you're giving this the weak recommend I'll stick with the recommend because, um, like you said, there's a better movie here. And I would argue that there's a better edit here. Like, even if with the existing material we have, if you just, or if Fincher had cut um, certain portions that don't really work and just kept it to the moments that do, that's a great hour and a half, I would say, out of this movie. So really, <laughs> I mean, that's not like a great portion of the movie to be good, but I feel like if it was just that portion of the movie, 
all those elements that are good would be elevated even more. So I think this is just kind of a failure of the edit. Too many ideas that are not fully realized. And um, if you can watch this movie and edit it for yourself as you're going and be like, okay, yeah, I wouldn't keep that, but I like that, then you'll probably enjoy it. It's an interesting exercise to watch. And also, it's, it's kind of, a, I feel like this movie is kind of an icon, just as far as like people reference it a lot. Like it's one of the few movies that's done this particular aging backwards thing. So whenever that idea pops up in other stuff, it's usually referenced. So, I mean, it's just a good movie to have watched, I suppose. I'd agree. It, I'm it glad is. I've seen it. Yeah, of course I am because I'm the Fitcher fan here and have to see all his movies <laughs> till the end of time. But yeah, I have, I think this is one that is worth a watch. I don't know how some people are going to feel about it. For those of you who have seen this movie, I'd really like to know your thoughts. Like, I want to know what other people think of this movie. Like, right now, it's kind of like at a three, kind of around that area on Letterboxd. But, you know, most of the popular reviews on Letterboxd is like dumb jokes. So I really just don't really know what many people actually do think of this movie. So if you have seen it, please let me know, because I'd love to hear what other people have to think about this movie, because I do think it's an interesting, it's an interesting movie, to say the least. I, I think there's a lot, like, we <laughs> talk a lot about it. Um, Patrick, let's get to our five movies you want to see soon. All right, um, I'm going to be watching some Oscar-nominated stuff. The yeah. Father, pretty much anything I can find um, available that's Oscar-nominated, I'll be watching um, in mm -hmm. the next couple of weeks. So um, I'm going to get on those. And also, I have Neil Young's Heart of Gold, which is a concert film um, that I want to see because it's directed by Jonathan Gem, who did uh, Stop Making Sense, I think. Um, which yeah. I really enjoyed, even though I wasn't, like, I listen to the Talking Heads every now and then, but I'm not, like, big into their discography, like, know every song, so I still enjoyed that film, and I'm kind of the same with Neil Young, like, I've enjoyed him whenever I've listened to him, but nothing's grabbed me enough for me to just, like, go in on Neil Young for, like, a month or two, so I'm hoping maybe that some kind of spark will ignite in this movie because he's supposed to be a really great songwriter and I have liked what I've heard from him it's just I don't know it's I just need that moment of connection you know some things just go over my head for a while and then I'm like oh yeah okay now I get it um so I'm hoping that'll be it with that um I'm st <laughs> I still need to see more Kubrick movies I've been really just like watching stuff that's free on YouTube, as you know. Um, so <laughs> I've been kind of hesitant to rent stuff, but I'll, I'll get around to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, Patrick, you and I are building up to the Oscars. And once we finish this Finch retrospective, we're going to talk about the, the Best Picture nominees, maybe touch a few, if we have seen a few of the other ones that are kind of the sidelines, best writing, best score, touch on a few of those, but we're here to talk about the best picture nominees at this venture retrospective. I have seen every movie is nominated for best picture besides Promising Young Woman and Nomadland. So those two are going to go on my little list here. Uh, I'm gonna put them in my five. I need to see Joker still. I, I, need, I still need to get to that one. It's the last best picture nominee that I need to see. The Martian directed by Ridley Scott. I haven't mentioned this one in a while, but 
I do feel like this is something that I would like. I just haven't gotten to it yet. So I'm going to mention that. And I'm also going to say Incendies by Denis Villeneuve. I, this is one. Of, this is his highest rated movie and on, on Letterboxd, 4.3. And I'm very interested in seeing how this one goes. I've heard good things, of course. And so, yeah, I, I'm really interested in seeing this movie because it looks a lot different than other Billy Ray's movies. It feels more Sicario and Prisoners rather than it does like Arrival or Blade Runner 2049. So that'll be interesting. I mean, Prisoners was my favorite Villeneuve film. So if it's more like that, I mean, how could you go wrong? Um, but yeah, so I'm also continuing with Breaking Bad. Invincible and in, or yeah, Invincible came out with uh, J.K. Simmons and David Yu. And I, it's like a like an adult type of superhero animated show, and I thought it looks really interesting. It caught my eye, so I might dabble into that a little bit too. But that's all that I'm really wanting to see. And you know, I have a few other ones on my list, but those are the main prominent ones that I've been wanting to check out. So yeah, there you go. Those are the five movies that we want to see soon. And Patrick, coming up next, we have oh yeah, surprise surprise. Yeah, so we are not talking about the system. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> My man, yeah. We're going to talk about the Snyder Cut next, Patrick. And I was not actually planning for us to talk about this anytime soon. But I'll tell you what. I saw it two days ago. And, and it's good. Well, we'll see about that. Um, but uh, I'm going <laughs> to suspense on what I think about it. But... Man, so Patrick, you have not seen the original Justice League. So that'll make for a very interesting little conversation to see how you think about this. You'll, I don't know when you're going to see that movie, but I don't know, I'm really excited. Yeah, that'll be in my, that'll, I'll probably watch that before my next five. <laughs> I didn't want to mention it because I thought you would want to keep it like surprise, surprise, you know. Yeah, surprise. I, I know you like that surprise ending. <laughs> yeah, I'm really interested in seeing what you think of this, Patrick? I saw this with Jude two days ago and have thought about it a lot. Whether those were good thoughts or bad thoughts, we will get into that. Um, but I'm really excited <laughs> to talk about it. It'll, I think it's going to be a very unique conversation. Um, I hated Justice League, the 2017 movie. So mm. I, if Zack Snyder made a movie worse than that movie, he has done a marvelous feat. So there you go. There you go. That's all I will say. I'm going to go ahead and say it's probably, my thoughts are probably going to be more kind than it is with the, that 27th movie. But there's a lot of room for badness. <laughs> still, there's still a bunch of yeah. growth that needed to be done. It's four hours, so there's definitely there was definitely some things on the cutting room floor, Patrick. I know you're splitting this up. I watched this all in one sitting, and, and that can have both a negative and positive um, little change on your viewing. So I, if you're splitting this up, I'm really wondering how that how you feel like that affected your viewing. Um, okay, so yeah, I honestly was I might watch it all at once. Hmm. Yeah, it just I, depends it, on what time, what kind of time I have. It is. It's split into like eight parts. So it, it, this was originally going to be a mini series, 
and it ended up not being one. And I thought that was kind of an interesting move because if it's this long, you could see it being a, a miniseries, but at the same time, you know, it, it does feel like this does need to be a movie. So it is kind of a mm. like 50-50 on which way they should have gone with this. We'll talk about that as well. But I'm excited. Okay. I, I really am see what you think about this. We weren't planning on doing it, but I really feel like this is what an important one that we should talk about. It's been a while since we talked about superheroes. And you know, we, last time was one of 1984. And oh man, my feelings on that movie have changed quite a bit actually over time. And we might even talk about Oh really? About, yeah, a few things have changed. But um, anyway, we'll be back next week, episode 62, to talk about the Snyder Cut. I'm very excited. Then after that, we'll be talking about the social network. Finally, I think some great venture. Zodiac, I was really enjoying that. And then we came back to Benjamin Button, which I'm going to give a week recommend to, but still was not what I love from Venture. I was missing that. And I really feel like social network is going to give me what I want. And we get to talk about Aaron Sorkin for the first time ever. And I'm very excited talking about Aaron Sorkin, one of my favorite writers, possibly my favorite. Tarantino is really, he's creeping up there though. I'm not sure, I'm not sure who's better. But anyway, we'll be back next week. Um, Patrick, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are going into the Snyder Cut though. What, what are your expectations? Um, I hope it will deliver on the kind of like impersonal heroes that we don't get in Marvel. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like it, Marvel focuses so much on the comedy and the characters. And for me, sometimes I want to see big superheroes that are way unrealistically powerful fighting villains that are way unrealistically powerful. And I hope that that's what this movie is. Plus, I just want to see more Batflick. I feel like that can't go wrong in Snyder's hands because he was my favorite part of Batman versus Superman. So mm-hmm. I'm excited. Yeah, Batfleck was great. Batman versus Superman, I will agree. And yeah, so like, I'll go ahead and give a little spoiler for this. Like he changes the aspect ratio into like a square, basically. And the effect that that has- Yeah, I I saw that in the trailers and I was wondering if he was going to keep that or if it was just for the promos. Yeah, he keeps it in. And we sat down to watch it and I kind of knew it was coming, but Jude was like, whoa, what the heck is wrong with the TV? And I was like, well, you know, Jude, there's this thing called aspect ratio where they changed the way, the, how tall and wide the screen is. And so this movie was just a little different. And he's like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> but the, the effect that the aspect ratio <laughs> has is it makes these heroes feel like gods, which is always the way that Snyder has kind of intended it to be. You know, Marvel has taken the approach of people with problems get powers. And the way Snyder says it is DC and what his vision is, is people get powers and out of that have problems. And this mm. cut definitely keeps in line with, with his thinking. And this is definitely, it feels very personal to him. And uh, I'm very interested in seeing how you think about this because so far, this has been doing very well critically. I mean, well, not very well, but pretty well. Like it's done good. It's at 3.5 on Letterboxd right now. I think that's a that's a good score to have. And so we'll see. We'll what was see. Justice was, League at? Like a oh my gosh, like in the twos. Not good. Mm. Let me see. Real quick. 
And this was kind of the big selling point for HBO Max too. Like when they were first like announcing HBO Max, it was like, if you get this at some point in a few months, the Snyder Cut's going to be out. And it's finally here. So I wonder if, mm. if either HBO Max uh, like accounts are going to increase or decline because now we got it. So well, let's go. <laughs> uh, I, 2.2 on Letterboxd, on the Letterboxd for Justice League. So this is a whole point above Justice League, which is just speaks to how bad that movie was and apparently how good this might be. So we'll see. We'll see. Patrick, thank you for joining me. As always, you can reach us at moviemaniacs2020 at gmail.com. I am at my blog at nanookumhub.blogspot.com and over at Letterboxd at Nanookum. You can leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a little review. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with the Snyder Cut. And man, I'm really excited to hear what your thoughts are. And I'm really excited to voice mine because I have a lot to say about that. So, all right. Awesome. Come back with the Snyder Cut. And thank you for listening.